This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, this is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. My name is Arif Roos, and as usual, on the internet is Mr. Daniel Fernandez. Say hello. Hello, Malaysians and all global people listening into this number one automotive radio show in the world. Allegedly. <laughs> How are you today? Fabulous. Absolutely fabulous, because there's some good news in the market. It's 2022. We're getting people vaccinated. We're getting people getting their booster shots. I'm involved in helping some people get their booster shots. Some of the older generation, you know, getting oh. them there. I think it's great that everybody is finally in the program, you know? Yeah. Well, we are talking about cars in this show. But um, yes. So we have three parts as usual. First part, we're actually going to be talking about some global news about Sony mm. as well as some battery prices on the rise. Sorry, sorry. You said Sony. That means what? They got a new hi fi out? A new TV? A new gaming device? Some new cars, apparently. A new car from Sony. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, yes. And then in part two, we got some local news about a plant in Malacca that should not be spoken about and uh, some rumors about Audi and Asia, as well as Volvo mm. giving some really, really, really good news from their end. Yes, yes, yes. Volvo is waking up their rivals. Yeah, that's true. And finally, we have a used car review of a Mercedes-Benz B170. Yep. So, without further ado, let's head to the news. Let's start with Sony. In the past week, they officially launched Sony Mobility, which is subsidiary under the big Sony brand, and it's going to be essentially their vehicle division. They announced the launch of Sony Mobility in uh, the CES of this year. Okay, what is CES? What is what is CES? Consumer Electronics Show. Exactly, it's an electronic show. It's a huge show. It used to be only in US, then it moved to also US and China. That means there are two CES shows in a year. Mm-hmm. And after that, Car companies started previewing vehicles at CES. So I think in the years to come, there'll be no more motor shows. It'll just be CES all around the world and there'll be consumer electronics with cars included. It's kind of sad, I guess, that cars will be considered as electronics devices. Well, you think that's sad. I'm, I'm sad that my hi-fi set and, and TV manufacturer <laughs> has decided <laughs> to build a car. Well, what do you think of their new car? The Vision S02. It's a seven-seater SUV. Not much details about it because it's still a prototype. Looking at the SUV from the pictures, you, know, you can see it on DSF also. It's, it's not an exciting design, but it reminds me a little bit of China's Zeek R vehicle. The lines, high-precision lights and all that. But when I look at the sedan, I can't help but thinking, hey... It's a less shapely Porsche Taycan. The sedan, which is mm. called the Vision S01, right. totally agree. It's a less uh, sleek and polished version of the Porsche Taycan, which is still very, very attractive. It's very attractive. And I'm just wondering how good is the sound system inside and how good is the viewing experience on the center console screen, you know? Recently, there's been a lot of announcements about new cars allowing uh, their infotainments to play YouTube and Netflix only mm. when the car is stationary. So what are the odds of Sony, you know, giving us a free PS5 with the car? Exactly. So, you know, gaming device, you know, while waiting, you continue playing your game. You know, Arif, I'm going to say this and I know a lot of young people are going to hate me for it. It's wrong. You need a car to be driven, (laughs) not driving itself and playing games and watching Netflix and, you know, 
playing with the screen. Come on! I totally agree with that. But that is essentially what Sony Mobility is all about. Because Sony says that they are looking to move into the electric vehicle and autonomous mobility sector. It's a very, very big and growing industry. Definitely, it will be interesting to see how they would translate you know, their UI, UX expertise, their electronics experience into cars. And certainly, they would be one of the first companies, electronics companies, to do so. So it'll be really, really groundbreaking. If you notice, the Japanese electronic companies are slowly moving into the car space. The Chinese electronic companies and smartphone companies have already moved into this car space. Yeah. But you've not heard anything from the Germans. So I'm wondering if, I don't even know this company, Telefunken? Telefunken? No, I don't know that. Yeah, they used to build, you know, TVs and radios like 50 years ago. I wonder if they are going to, you know, be reborn with an electric car. (laughs) I, I don't think so, man. <laughs> I'm showing my age on air. Yes, you are, Daniel. I mean, it's, it's good that you mentioned that because as we have known and we, as we have covered on cruise control in these past few years, uh, there are a lot of other electronic brands um, that have struck a lot of partnerships. Samsung, Foxconn, Apple, they've made prototypes, non-working prototypes. But, you know, Sony is the only, I think, electronics company that has actually made a prototype. And, you know, they've been doing a lot of road testing for a year. Right. And uh, they've released at the CES uh, sort of like a brief of what their cars will focus on. As mentioned, it's less of an EV company, more of a mobility company. Hmm. So they're going to be using lots of LiDAR technology, dynamic image sensors, user customizability. So you can change the sounds of the car and the color and all that stuff, remote operation, as well as passenger entertainment, which just, I guess, means hi-fi system and a PlayStation 5 in the back. You know what I'm waiting for? An electric car combines the values of a smartphone, which I think Xiaomi or Apple will do this. While you're driving, mm-hmm. you can snap pictures of yourself or, or the XTV. <laughs> you know, while driving, there's a little button in the steering wheel. Yeah, I like that image. Click, click. And then it comes out like a heads-up display and then you like can check, oh, I got a nice picture. I think I need another one. Literally a dystopian future for us, Daniel. Yeah, and then imagine another couple of internal cameras on the A-pillars so you can do a couple of selfies. Like while you're driving in traffic, you look at the, <laughs> the left A-pillar and smile, hello, and then you snap a picture, you know. I think it's just going to go crazy, mate. We are going to go crazy too because that's exactly a future I guess we want to unsubscribe from. <laughs> But going back to the original point, okay. Sony has launched Sony Mobility. They want to build a bunch of cars and everything. But I think a lot of the worry is that, of course, you can build prototypes, test it. But as we know, uh, mass-producing cars are very different things from prototyping. And um, as we have seen from another electronics manufacturer, Dyson, who you know was one of the biggest proponents of making the jump from electronics to cars, they killed their electric car program because it was so hard to get everything set up correctly. But anyway, uh, speaking of electric cars, um, there is some really, really big news other than Sony, which has to do with commodity prices. There is the business section of our car show. So, Daniel, what's with this battery prices going up, lithium prices going up? Well, you know, anything you mine will go up in price, you know, as demand increases and, you know, mining costs goes up. But there's a shortage of supply because... Lithium, which is a valuable component in batteries, are also being needed for, you know, non-car related batteries, which is smartphones, laptops, smart devices, gaming machines, you Mm. name it, you know. So the thing is, prices are going up. And as a result, car companies have not hedged enough in terms of their raw material. They have to transfer this cost to their customers. So you can't absorb so much because this is the main component in an electric car, you know. 
Mm-hmm. Like if you look at a petrol-powered car, there are a lot of components. So it's not like one main item that's that's uh, keeping the, the industry going. Yep. But with the electric car, lithium is one of the main things. And it's possibly affecting the car price by you know, 10, 15, 20, 30% as the prices go up. So they are saying that five times higher. Now, if five times higher, that means, hey, this is going to move prices quite a bit. And you know, even though we're getting the cars here tax-free, the cost from the factory is going to be high. So I think you either jump the bandwagon and, and buy an electric car yesterday <laughs> or you're going to be left out. If you're thinking of buying a car in three or six months from now, it's, it, it might be a price rise that you will not be able to afford. That's number one. Number two, those who have older electric cars will now start worrying a little bit because when it's time to change your batteries, because these are older electric cars, yep. you know, you're going to be paying quite a reasonably high bill. And this also affects plug-in hybrid use vehicles. Mm-hmm. So it's not good news for the industry. Hopefully, people like Elon Musk will find another planet which has lithium <laughs> and bring it back here, you know? I feel like it's, you know, it was bound to happen because everybody's pushing electric vehicles. People are going to want to buy electric vehicles. And as we've mentioned so many times, the uh, processes are not there yet in terms of mining and transporting and refining all of of these raw materials into batteries. And there aren't so many companies that do that. So it's kind of bound to happen. It's definitely going to go up. Uh, Even though the R&D cost is slowly coming down, I think there is going to come a point where someone has to try and figure out a way of, you heard it here first, making a power source that doesn't need lithium. Okay, I'm just saying it. I'm just saying it. There are a few uh, pieces of technologies out there, but because you know we are arguably at the start of this transition to EVs, Mm. there is no real alternative to lithium-ion batteries at the moment. At the moment, yes. People are talking about nickel, cobalt, but we'll see. You know, uh, they say all of these uh, technologies will be will be hitting the looking to hit the market in 2025, which is three years Mm. away, and I'm sure electric cars will have, I guess, stabilized in some sense by then. I hope, or maybe, you know, everyone will just wake up and say, hey, let's just go back to petrol cars. <laughs> there was a piece of news that we missed, actually, that was I think is worth mentioning while we have a bit of time, was that mm. I think it was Toyota who said that they wanted to um, dedicate an entire factory in Japan to refurbishing and rehabilitating current customer cars because it's more environmentally friendly. You don't have to... Exactly, because less emissions, the engines are more, you know, friendly, you know? Yeah, so maybe that could be the future. Also, if you think about it, there's also some news coming out of Europe that some of the big German companies who have promised, I'm not going to mention the brands, who have promised to go full electric by certain dates, are still keeping their petrol engine division running. Mm. And also, one huge Korean car company Mm -hmm. has said that they might still keep a little part of their petrol engine division running. I thought they said that they were going to kill the R&D in there. When they say they kill the R&D, they didn't say they kill the factory. Uh, that's true. You're right. <laughs> that means they're not further developing the, the petrol engine. But they'll say, oh, we'll still keep running it. Maybe because at some point they'll say, hey, no more lithium. Huh? We need to sell car, right? Let's throw in one petrol engine. Lah, you know? <laughs> and of course, uh, you know, they have to sell cars to developing markets like ours. Exactly. And then, you know, to make it even more feasible, add one internal external camera with a button on the steering wheel and then take a selfie. Yeah. <laughs> You're a very annoyed person today. Yes. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Seeing too many people take selfies on the road, I see. No, because I was in Penang the last couple of days, okay? Yeah. Uh, on a test drive. And, you know, Penang traffic is really bad, even on a weekday. Mm-hmm. And I was on the bridge and I was looking left and right. And there were people taking pictures of the ocean and the bridge and everything else. 
in their car. Of course, they're using their handphones and doing it. I'm thinking the ocean looks the same whether it's on land, <laughs> by the beach, or on the bridge as you're moving. And I'm thinking, what are you going to do with this picture? Are you going to show it to anyone? Or are you actually going to see it again, you know? It's for the grams, Daniel. It's for the grams. Oh, uh, whatever. Okay, what's next? What's next is a break because I think that's a good way to end it. Stick around for part two because we're going to be talking about some more serious news, I guess, and an industry rumor as well as some really, really good news from Bobo. Stick around for part two for Cruise Control on BFM 89.9. Beyond Frivolous Matters, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, this is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. My name is Arif Roos, and as usual, on the internet with me is Mr. Daniel Fernandez. Say hello, Daniel. Hello, everybody, and thank you for still listening in to the number one car automotive radio show in the world. So, if you missed part one, we discussed Sony and their vehicle program, as well as the battery prices and lithium prices going on the rise and how that might affect the next three to five years. For now, though, continuing on that electric vehicle discussion, we have heard in the past week that there's going to be a new assembly plant in Malacca. Daniel is reluctant to say anything about it, and I completely understand, but this project will be Malaysia's first electric car assembly plant, and it will be built in Malacca through a company called Fieldman EV Sundarian Berhad. They're a subsidiary of Fieldman Group, which is a company that was launched in 2012, who currently make palm oil, jerry cans, and coffee. They seem to be really ready to go into the EV market. I mean, car is basically a jerry can without the technology, isn't it? Exactly. And you need coffee to wake up in the morning to drive. Yeah, you know, the whole world is going to run on palm oil anyway. Yes. But uh, Fieldman EV, you know, they're a relatively new company. They intend to uh, invest about 1 billion ringgit into this assembly plant with the expertise and help of Chinese manufacturers, Chang'an Automobile Corporation. They're a major Chinese car maker. They also say that they have also acquired the rights for the distribution for Chang'an's new EVs, which apparently in the next five years, Chang'an will launch 21 new electric cars in China. But as a lot of people have pointed out, it's really weird that such a big you know, announcement with a massive investment by a Chinese car maker into a, a relatively new local business. It's weird that Chang'an hasn't said anything about this yet. Mm. Not in the news, not on their website, nothing. True. And you know, Chang'an has been in Malaysia for some years already. Chang'an has had a working relationship with the Bajaya Group for commercial vehicles. So it ended a few years ago. So It all just seems a bit questionable, I guess. Uh, and even more so when you think about the fact that this company, Fieldman EV, was set up in 2018. And in the same year that it was set up, it almost immediately struck an agreement with the infamous Big Blue Taxi Company to deliver 20,000 electric taxis by 2020. Hmm. And guess what? It's 2022. There are no electric taxis to be seen. Maybe there's some small blue taxis. <laughs> you know, the ones that you can play on your table. Remote control cars, they call them, right? Yeah, maybe. But um, we should leave the story there because it's very, very controversial. Correct. What is slightly less controversial and is more of a rumor is the fact that, Daniel, you've received some news that a big German brand will be looking to localize their operations in Malaysia in mid-2022. Yeah, something that a lot of Malaysians, and I use the word a lot because there's a lot of fans of Audi. Audi is one car manufacturer that has fans 
from even the simple A3 right up to the R8 supercar. Yeah. And they've never had local assembly. Over the years, Audi Germany, already from Ingolstadt, Germany, have come to Malaysia, looked at Pekan to do assembly. They were not happy with the quality. There was some talk about upgrading the facilities because Audi seems to have a very high standard. Yeah. But some years ago, we wrote an article saying that, you know, if Porsche from Germany can come to Malaysia and do assembly, mm. why can't Audi? Because it's all under the Volkswagen group, right? Yep. And Volkswagen has an assembly plant here, don't they? Yes. But that's the one in Pekan. Porsche is doing their local assembly. It's finally confirmed now and it's on the cards for the Porsche Cayenne, which is their flagship. Okay. If they're doing their flagship, that means they've got the quality right. At Inocom, in Butterworth. Mm. So if Porsche is doing a Cayenne assembly and in the future some other models in Intercom for the region, that means they'll be assembling vehicles for the right-hand drive market, just like what Volvo does with the XC90 in Malaysia and is exported. Mm. There is a possibility that Audi will be assembling at Intercom <laughs> for the same reasons. We must stress that at the moment this is an industry rumor. This is a rumor. It was whispered to us by two different people from two different companies involved in the Audi business. So we will leave it at that and we are keeping our fingers and toes crossed because this would mean Audi bringing in better price models, prices will come down, variants will come in and it'll be more exciting times for the car buyer. Let's play around a little bit with that rumor and uh, you know what sort of cars would you like to see coming from Audi in Malaysia to be localized obviously definitely the SUVs Q3 Q5 definitely uh, I think the Sportback you know which is a it's a mm. good looking vehicle and then of course the small sedans A3 A4 and then the flagship A8 I don't think so the A6 5050 mm, line you know but you know the A6 is a very very popular car or it was it is but the thing is the A4 and the A4 Sportback has grown in size that it's almost to the A6 size. So I'm guessing, you know, just more the SUVs and maybe a couple of sedans. Just like to hear your thoughts on this because uh, in the article that you wrote, you know, there was a mention of the Audi e-tron, which, you know, there's a hype around the Porsche Taycan and, uh, you know, Malaysia's getting electrified in the future in the next 10 years or so. Hmm. So what is the possibility of an Audi e-tron making its way here, whether locally or, you know, imported? Well, the e-tron local assembly, let's not go there. It will not happen, okay? <laughs> that will not happen. The e-tron was launched in Singapore, middle of last year. It's done very well over there. It's a very good-looking vehicle. And end of the day, it's loosely based on the Porsche Taycan, right? Yeah. Because they're all, you know, under one group. So, I'm very sure that the e-tron, fully imported e-tron, will be coming to Malaysia this year. It's all about price and it's all about whether they can get supply. Because in Europe, the e-tron is on waiting list. So, it's doing really well overseas. I think it was a couple of years ago that um, Audi pulled out their operations from Malaysia and decided to take full control of it from Singapore. In Singapore, yes. Yeah. So does that mean that Audi Singapore is controlling operations in Audi Malaysia? Well, there is a local office here. There's a few people here. There's product planning, there's marketing, there's finance and everything else. But the main business is being run from Singapore. You see, at the moment, Audi is doing very small numbers here. They're doing less numbers than Volvo, for example. Yep. And they're a big German brand. So it, I think it's a matter of time when Singapore will say, I think we need to revive that Malaysian office stature. Yeah. Doing that, you need to go 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 cars. It'll happen. It'll happen. But with CKD, it'll jumpstart. 
Speaking of Volvo and CKD mm. and selling more than 2,000 cars, that's exactly what Volvo did this year. They set a whole bunch of new records yet again. I think it's six straight years of sales growth globally and in Malaysia. Yeah. And, and in 2021, they sold the highest amount of vehicles in Malaysia, which is about 14.3% increase from last year, 2,229 cars. Exactly. So think about it. 2019, they were doing, you know, 1,006, 1,007. Then 2020, height of COVID, mm. they still managed to hit, you know, 1,800 over cars. And then now, 2021 results come out, 2,229 cars. The immediate rivals, mm. the Germans, they've sold more than 2,200 cars, but they are CKD, they got a bigger lineup and everything else. But while they have reduced their numbers, Volvo has increased their numbers. And Volvo has done it very quietly. They didn't make a big noise. They didn't put up balloons, no cake, nothing. <laughs> very quiet. This is their way of saying, hey, we are quietly fighting our way up the ladder. And given enough time, because six years in a row they've been rising, right? Yeah. Given enough time, I'm not saying another six years, but maybe in another three or four years, they'll be equal to the big German boys. I remember when we were reviewing a bunch of Volvos earlier on mm. in Cruise Control's life, um, we were saying exactly the same. Like, it's only a matter of time before, you know, people realize that, hang on a minute, BMW, Mercedes-Benz and Audi, it's a bit too expensive for all these premium stuff. I can find all of this in a, in a brand new Volvo and, you know, it's equally as exciting, it's more beautiful. So, in some ways, they're finally getting the fruits of their labor. Yes, and then also they're going fully electric and, you know, they're going fully electric a lot faster because why? We all know this. They are backed by Geely. And all the sales success has come since Geely took over with the XC90 being the first product. Mm -hmm. So with China backing them, first of all, they've got money to move faster. Secondly, they've got lithium because China has got <laughs> loads of it and they're not sharing it with the rest. So these guys will be introducing a whole bunch of fully electric cars in the next few years with the tax-free incentive. Mm. Can you imagine the gains that Volvo will get in Malaysia? Simply massive. Mm. I think, okay, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. By 2025, Volvo cars in Malaysia will easily reach double this current figure which they just released. Which means from 2002 to about 4005, 4006, easy by 2025. Totally agree. They are on the way up. Really, yep. they are. Yep. And, uh, you know, last year, if you remember also, they recently rebranded all of their hybrid cars as recharged models instead of being called the T8 twin engine. Correct. This rebranding, I think it worked quite a lot because it garnered a bit more interest. They tweaked the equipment list in all of their cars. And at the end of 2021, out of 2,229 cars sold, 73% of their cars are plug-in hybrids. So that is really, really good news for them. Speaking of Volvo, they have launched a very, very exciting car, or rather a car that I'm very, very excited about because it's a wagon. If you've listened to Cruise Control over the past four years, wagons are my thing, and I absolutely love them. And I'm super excited to announce the fact that the Volvo V60 is on its way here. It's been teased all over Volvo's Facebook. And I believe, if I'm not wrong, this will be the first brand new station wagon that Malaysians can buy since 2018, uh, since Mazda sold the Mazda 6 Tour. Yes, you're right. But you know, Volvo also had another wagon, you know? Do you know that? The V90? V90? I thought it wasn't brought in officially or something like that. Oh, yes, it was brought in officially. Oh. Okay. They had it on sale and, you know... Sadly, it did not do that well because the price. Secondly, the problem with Malaysians is they're not into wagons. And it's also a sort of a global thing because of the SUV. 
I think SUVs have become so everywhere. If you buy an SUV, you're normal. So if you want to be unique, buy a wagon. It's just as practical. It drives even better. And I didn't really like driving the Volvo XC60. And I'm pretty sure this V60 drives a million times better than that. So in terms of specifications, because uh, you know there have been rumors about what it will look like and the pricing and all that stuff. Uh, the new V60 that's going to be coming here will be a recharged model, like everything else in Volvo sign-up. 407 horsepower, 640 newton meters of torque via electric motors, a four-cylinder turbo and supercharged engine. Top speed limited to 180 kilometers an hour as per Volvo's global directives. Um, no R design on this new V60, but it wears a very, very classy inscription body kit. All of this car will be locally produced in Malaysia. So that is really, really good news because the price will still be very, very reasonable for a 400 horsepower wagon. That's just super cool. Hybrid wagon at that. 287,000 ringgit is the price. What do you think about that, Daniel? I think the price is good. I think the price is very reasonable. The problem is this. Now, when the V90 came in, which is the bigger wagon, was uh, basically an enlarged version of the S90, the, the flagship sedan, right? Yeah. Now... The sedan was 388. The wagon was about 12, 13,000 ringgit. I can't remember the price. A lot of interest, a lot of social media chatter. Everyone is talking things about it. Oh, it'll sell better than the sedan, blah, blah, blah. But today, if you drive around Klang Valley, you'll probably see a Rolls Royce Cullinan more often than you'll see a Volvo V90 wagon. That's true. You know, and that just says this people talk about it. People say it's so nice, it's sexy, it's, it's versatile, it's got all the elements that I want in a car. But when they go to any Volvo showroom to test drive it, they come back, they're ready to sign the booking form, just about ready to sign the booking form. And then they look in the corner of the eye, they'll see the XC60 and say, hey, uh, that one, uh, higher, Malaysia got a lot of flats. That one uh, got four-wheel drive. Uh, Malaysia got a lot of bad roads. Uh, that one, more metal uh, because sitting higher. Actually, they want the SUV because why? Everyone talks about owning an SUV. Yep. Whether they need it or not. Come on. I mean, most of the people who buy this all live on highlands. Lah. They don't have, you know, they live in Damansara Heights, yeah. Kenny yeah. Hills, Bangsa, all very hilly. You know, where go, go flooding one. But, <laughs> but they want an SUV because that's the trend. It is. And I hate that you're right, Daniel, but... Oh, you hate that I'm right. <laughs> I don't like SUVs and I yes. hate the fact that everybody loves SUVs and not paying attention to wagons. People need mm. to experience wagons and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it my life challenge to convince Malaysians that wagons are just better in every respect. <laughs> well, you know, it's, I've, I've tried it for years in my articles. I've actually <laughs> mentioned the fact that, you know, why don't you look at a wagon in, you know, like whenever there's like a new BMW 5 Series or a Mercedes E-Class, I say, well, there's, there's also a wagon worship. Would you consider that? And, you know, nothing, not even a blip of interest, you know? So that's a question we're going to pitch to you on our Instagram, at BFM Cruise Control today. We have this beautiful Volvo V60 on its way into Malaysia. You know, which would you prefer, XC60 or V60? To be honest, I look at this vehicle and I say to myself, below 300,000, you got a sports wagon, you got hybrid technology from Volvo, you've got that great evergreen looks. It reminds me of a refresh Volvo sports wagon, the old 850. The 850 T5R, yes. Yes. So, yes, I want to buy this wagon. Once I, <laughs> I start earning a salary like yours at BFM, oh. I want to buy a wagon <laughs> like this. We're going to head to the break, Daniel. I'm sorry. Okay. But, um, yeah, vote. Uh, head to our Instagram at BFM Cruise Control to vote. And uh, you can always read some of the articles that we've spoken about in this part on Daniel's website at dsf.my. 
stick around for part three because we are going to be reviewing a used car, Mercedes-Benz B170. Probably not everybody's first choice, but it's a really good price these days, isn't it? Yes, it is. Stick around for part three of Cruise Control on BFM 89.9. Beyond Frivolous Matters, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, this is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. My name is Arif Roos and as you've heard for the past half an hour or so, we have Mr. Daniel Fernandez on the phone line. Say hello, Daniel. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to BFM. So far on this episode, we have some news about Sony and Sony Mobility. We have some unfortunate news about battery prices going up because raw material prices are going up as well. As well as a controversial EV assembly plant in Malacca that we should should not mention. <laughs> uh, as well as industry rumours about Audi and we spent quite a bit of time talking about why wagons don't work in Malaysia. Even though they should. Mm. For now though, we are going to be talking about a Mercedes-Benz. It's a B-Class and it's a car that wasn't really popular at one time. But right now it presents such great value in today's world, doesn't it Daniel? Yes, and it's like a wagon. But it is not. <laughs> it's not a wagon. It's a, it's a hatchback. It's a hatchback. It's not a hot hatch. It's a hatchback. Okay. The A-class is the Mercedes-Benz hot hatch. Mm-hmm. Okay. The B-class is the mother hen. You know, the, 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 the mummy mobile or, the, you know, the family car, the adventure seeker who's looking for something a little bit versatile in terms of cabin space. The mm-hmm. B-class has never been that poster car, you know. It's not been something that, you know, people... Hey, look at that car. I really want one, you know? Yep. And I think the reason is not because it's not handsome. It's 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 got its own Germanic handsome looks, but it was put in its place, uh, superseded by the C class and the A class, you know? Yeah. So if somebody wanted a hot hatch, you'll get the A class because that looks just <laughs> funky, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you wanted something special more spotty and you needed that boot space, you go for a C-Class, which is so popular, right? Yep. So the B-Class became the company car for everybody. La. <laughs> <You know? laughs> when they couldn't sell it, I remember in Malaysia, everybody's company car was a B-Class. It doesn't matter what your designation, la, you know? Because they brought in so many and they thought it'll do well. But, you know, Malaysians were just not interested in this car. And it was a bit sad because why? I think not enough information was given on its space, versatility, and also maybe its function. Now, the first B-Class arrived at about 215,000 ringgit. And it was a B170. So it's a 1.7 litre engine. Very simple engine, 116 uh, horsepower. Nothing so exciting. But it was one of those engines which you know will never break down. You know what I mean? It was just a solid, well-built engine. It was called Blue Efficiency. And when they brought it in, at that price at 218000 you just pay a little bit more, you get a C-Class sedan. <laughs> so a lot of people, you know, like a wagon, they walk into a showroom thinking, okay, I'll look at the B-Class because, you know, Daniel Fernandez wrote about it in the magazine and, and on his website. So I think I'll go and have a look at it. And then they see the C-Class, you know, standing in the corner, looking very menacing. They'll say, hey, how much is that car? <laughs> oh, only that much. Uh? 12000 more. Uh, and then I test drive this thing. Can I test drive that? Then once they test drive the C class, they say, ah, yeah. 
better lah, you know. People looked at the B class and went, "This is a runaround car, but it just has a Mercedes badge." Whereas the C class would be something like, you know, it's a C class. You know, it has real Mercedesness about it. Exactly, and then also the thing is, you know, by the time you finish your test drive, you're still thinking about the C class because you saw it in the corner. <laughs> Now imagine if you went to the showroom and all you saw were nine different B classes in nine different colors, you wouldn't think of the C class. You'll say, "Okay, I'll take home this B class," you know, mm-hmm. because you drive it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's easy to get in and out. It's got a lot of space. Functionality is great. Huge boot. Rear legroom is fantastic, and then the rear seats are slightly elevated, so you get a nice seating position. That 1.7 engine may not sound very powerful, but it's good enough for getting around. You got a nice smooth gearbox. You got all the Mercedes-Benz safety features that you need. Nice, decent sound system. This was a car that when it came out, it was pure function. Yep. And then you say, okay, I need a functional car. This is it, and it's a Mercedes-Benz. But then when you see the C-Class, that's a problem. So let's put all that aside. Now, today, in the used car market. You should not ignore the B class. I'll tell you why. Because I wasn't ready for this. I actually didn't go looking for the B class. Someone mm. told me they're looking for a used car. They gave me their budget. They gave me what they needed in a car. Let's try and outline what exactly they needed. Okay. So they said, okay. They, of course, you know when people come to me, they're all my age group, lah, fifty plus, lah. You know, <laughs> orang tua, lah. You know, orang tua. Tapi mau kereta cantik, lah. Ah. So they said, no. I want a sensible car. I want. A, I want a premium car. Of course, I want something. You know, premium German, whatever. I want something that's a little bit high because I'm old, my back is hurting and all that. But at the same time, I want something with a bit of space so I can put my folding bike in the rear. You know, now these old people all want to ride folding bike. You know, <laughs> yes. they don't realize. You know, they'll get more exercise just washing their car instead of going to the car wash. You know? <laughs> so they'll get their folding bike, which costs a ton of money. So they wanted to get their folding bike in the rear. And you know, these people do not want to buy a bike rack because why? A lot of older generation think, "Hey, the bike rack, ah, uh, people steal the bike. The bike rack, ah, uh, I'll, I'll when I'm parking, I'll bang it, you know." Mm-hmm. So they like things to be in the car. So they said, "Okay, folding bike must be able to go in the car." They're not interested in rear space because why? Their children are all grown up, so it's just for them, their wife or their girlfriend or mistress or whoever. I'm not going to say who it is. <laughs> anyway, so you know, lah, folding bike, fifty something, something fishy, lah, you know. And then you know they're not interested in speed, so they want something economical. They want something easy to maintain. They want something with as minimal electronics as possible. Something to take to Kuala Kubaru on on a nice Sunday morning, and they could just leave yes. it in the corner and take their bike out. You know, correct. And then you know because they're not interested in Apple CarPlay or Android Auto, they're not interested in navigation because they got something on their phone already. Yeah. So they just want something functional, easy to get in and out. So most likely, what they want is an SUV. But a lot of them said, you know, Daniel, we've been listening to you, been reading your stuff. I don't, I'm not going off road, so why do I need an SUV? I want that high riding position, but I don't need to get something with four wheel drive because I'm not going off road, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to spend money on off road tires and you know taking care of my off road equipment because four by four vehicles are heavier because they got an off road mechanism running, you see. Yep. So the best thing is to get something like a crossover. But you see. When you have a small budget, because you're spending all that money on the cycling shorts and the folding bicycles, <laughs> the budget for the vehicle gets less. So when you talk about crossovers, a lot of crossovers are, are still in fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand ringgit. Yeah. So I was thinking of what they wanted. I've putting in all the parameters and I was doing some search and all that. And then suddenly the B class turned up. And when I saw the B class, I said, "How did I forget about this car?" You know. To be fair, it was kind of a forgettable car, wasn't it? Yes, yes. You know, we completely forgot that it existed, <laughs> yeah. and we completely forgot that it, a new version even came out. Yes, uh, the B two hundred. You know, <laughs> they launched it last year. <laughs> yes. So I looked up. You know, I went to my usual online classifieds and I typed in B B one seventy, 
And I was thinking the price would be around 35, 45. And then when I started looking at the price, 22, 24, 25, 28, you know, you only hit 30,000 when you're looking at the B200. And you don't need the B200. You don't need that turbocharged engine. You don't need the extra power, you know, because these are people who just want to travel from A to B, you know? Yep. And it, and, and of course, you know, when you're 50-something, you know, having the Mercedes badge means, oh, hey, brother, you got money. It still has got that prestige image and everything else. And then when I looked into the specification of the cargo area, and I put a picture on DSF, it's huge. Two folding bikes will go in, you know? Yeah. Plus all your drinking water and your medical kit and everything else, plus your crutches, because, you know, after a hard <laughs> ride, you might need crutches. So it's got a lot of space, you know? And because it's sitting a little bit high up, you can go... A, I'm not saying off-road, but you can go into a, like a Kampong road, you know, Red Earth Road. Yeah, yeah. And you can still come out safely. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to get stuck in the ground, you know? Mm-hmm. So I looked around, I saw these cars, and then one of the dealers that was selling it was, you know, I, I don't like to travel too much to go and look at used cars. So it was not too far. It was on Old Clang Road. I actually went to look at the car and I was amazed because this was a one-owner car and it had everything inside working. It was, it was, almost immaculate and the fact is the owner the previous owner had never gone outside of the mercedes-benz dealership even after the warranty was over he still kept going back and if you look at the servicing schedules because it's hardly used it's only got something like hundred and forty thousand kilometers on it you know so that's an average of eight nine thousand kilometers a year it's pretty well looked after and because the mileage was so low he only went to the dealership ever so less so he's not spending that much money on maintenance yeah there was no damage to the interior, so he wasn't using it for cycling. There was no damage to the seats. The leather was still nice and, you know, um, not cracked, not damaged, not torn, you know. And, of course, the asking price was a bit high with the used car dealer. But as I was looking around it and, and talking to the dealer, you know, he could sense that I was very interested because I had to pretend to be a buyer, you see. Mm-hmm. I didn't take it for test drive, but the price dropped to 29000 even before I started bargaining. So I said, okay, thank you very much. I'll come back. So when I went back and did even more research, Couple of phone calls later, some of them were willing to go as low as twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two thousand ringgit. You know, I would say pay a little bit more, twenty-eight, twenty-nine. Get one with a full service history because there were actually a lot of people who bought this car as a third or fourth car in the house. Rich people, buyers of these cars basically would look at it as like I need a runabout in town. Yes, but I don't want to buy a Nissan X Gear or I don't want to buy a Myvi because I'm I'm rich. You know, I want to have a Mercedes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the, the minimum I want to have is a is a poor man's Mercedes. You know, exactly. And there's no such thing, so you just go out and buy a B class. Exactly, exactly. So. I think there's still some pretty good examples out there. But the fact that the show is, is you know, so popular, I think by next week, they'll all be sold out. So you have to be quick. You'll have to be quick, ladies and gentlemen. Better just stop talking about cars then. Yes. Because we've got to save yes. some for ourselves, you know. Correct, correct. So if you're looking for a vehicle that's versatile, good on mileage, good on maintenance, not too many electronics, easy to drive, and you're about 50-something, this is a car that's about twenty-five dollars to $28,000. You can't go wrong. Totally agree with that. Thank you for bringing forward this Mercedes-Benz B-Class because like you said, we literally did forget about this car and the fact that it existed. It's crazy to know that it's worth about 20 grand, you know, 10% of its original price in just, what, 15, 16 years. Yeah. If you've missed any part of this show, obviously you can always go to bfm.my to re-listen to the podcast. You can visit any podcast apps. We're on there. 
whether it would be Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anything else. You can read the articles that we spoke about today on Daniel's website, dsf.my. And of course, tell us whether you prefer SUVs in the Volvo XC60 or the V60, which is a wagon, on Instagram at BFM Cruise Control. On behalf of Daniel Fernandez, my name is Arif Roos, and we will see you next week on Cruise Control on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.